0: Hey Brandon, hey Alan, and welcome to Dice Over Everything, the Miniatures Gaming Podcast.
1: Alright, so as as we're recording this, you're about to head off to Gen Con, and I'm just That's thinking, like, how much stuff are you going to bring with you to Gen Con, not like, back from Gen Con, there's no question you're going to bring some- back from Ooh. Gen Con, but how much do you bring to Gen Con?
0: Man, I have not... Like,
1: like what sort of suitcase size,
0: like... Well, carry on size like clothes, huh? And I always bring extra underwear just in case. Well, like you have multi- I don't I know what this multiple locations, be, but...
1: you keep one in your main bag, and you have like a side bag with extra underwear just in case, like on, on hand in case yeah, something goes wrong. I just
0: wrong. double wear underwear so that <laughs> <laughs> I have some more on the. way. Okay, we we didn't
1: uh... we didn't need to know that much information.
0: Not... Uh, no, no, no. Uh, in general, I try to pack. Pretty light, and this time for Gen Con, I have not actually signed up for as big events. Like, we're not yeah. play. I'm not going to play War Machine or any of these things that require a huge, huge box. Mm-hmm. So, I'm just bringing my Arena Rec stuff, which is one kind of box. Yeah, and then the rest of the room is space for whatever I buy there. Oh, okay, that's that's
1: legit. I don't know, I, I find when we went to Adepticon, like. I will bring two pairs of pants and then a bunch of clothing and then the miniatures for that game. And yeah, that's pretty much it. It's not bringing much stuff.
0: Do you I don't, mm-hmm. ever bring like something to help pass the time normally when you travel? Like, say, a deck of cards or something? Or is it like with all of your miniatures stuff, you're like, oh, we could just play miniatures. Although you can't because miniatures require you to you know, set up a table to be able to do that.
1: You're reminding me of like doing things in the pre-internet era. This is this is really throwing me off. Like, wait, we did bring cards around before the yeah. internet was everywhere. Weird, yeah,
0: yeah. But now it's... I just bring Koo as a card for cards.
1: Koo mm, the, hang the around... game.
0: It's so yeah. good. Cause no, it we'll... it replaces card games for me.
1: Are you only playing with nerds though?
0: No. No.
1: Oh, okay. Everyone can get into coup.
0: Yeah, it's it's easy enough. Actually, a lot of the times people who are not nerds are mm-hmm. a lot better because it's a lying game.
1: true. <laughs> and all the rules are on the cards, basically. Aren't they?
0: I'm not saying that, yeah. Right. I'm not saying that nerds are, better, are bad at lying or that non-nerds are, are like a bunch of liars. Mm-hmm. But I am kind of saying that. Because I feel like nerds just, they don't have as well training in being able to you know do that whole communication things where you talk to someone and you keep mm-hmm. what you're thinking inside like whenever i'm at work if i find something that is like not good when someone says something like my face my brow furrows and apparently it's pretty obvious so now you just keep the camera off at work so nobody can see you <laughs> yes now it's you just just, there's just a giant silence that's when, when they know i disapprove of whatever action we're taking
1: mm-hmm. how about you I make sure they know I disapprove. It's, it's key. It's key to work. It's key to, that people know that there can be consequences.
0: That's part of the good communication.
1: Mm-hmm. Anyhow, on the note of communicating things in games and cards, can we jam those two things together to form a topic?
0: Uh, sure. Let's talk about how to use cards and how we cards are used in war games. And All right. we will communicate about it. <laughs>
1: Mm -hmm. and people will be angry and furrow their brows at our team probably all right i don't know should we just like go over some ways they could get used and maybe go into the games or should we like just go into the way and then dive deeper right away i don't know what are you thinking
0: um if you have a set of uh methods ways that they could be used we let's go over those first and then we'll deep dive afterwards
1: Alright, sure. I think let's go back to the basic, like, right back to the card game style thing. Just Uh thinking of, like, big two, thinking of poker. Like, the higher numbers are better, and it's just, like, an outcome. So, Uh I see them, like, being an option for randomizing. Whether Uh it be, like, replacing a dice roll, whether it being like, causing events. It can basically be used for randomizing. Uh You can have different things on different cards, so it randomizes.
0: The so other it's way, basically like a replacement for dice in many yeah, ways. Yeah, I'm not gonna say we'll, we'll comment on whether we like it or not later,
1: but you could you could mm. use them to replace dice, and they don't they don't have to have like sequential numbers. They could have weird numbers. But again, dice can have weird numbers too. So I guess that's not necessary. The other like most basic way I think of is just having a stat card for your unit, as opposed to going through a book. You could just have info on the cards, so you don't have to like. Read through as much and look stuff up, so I guess there's the it's stat really card way. really easy
0: to assemble an army. At least that's what they tell you. And, and actually it was when we played War Machine.
1: Yeah, it was. Who knows where that's gone. Other way, which is kind of down the randomization thing, it's kind of like stats and randomization is just having object, hidden objectives, like hidden information.
0: So as opposed to having to like write things down or like hide dice, you draw a card. Or just keep it in your mind and Mm -hmm. hope your your opponent wasn't lying
1: yeah exactly hope they trust you you like you can you can keep some like hidden information and hope you don't
0: forget which one you chose (laughs) halfway through you're like oh which which objective did i choose again oh crap you can
1: can go back and look at it
0: yeah that's why you win the
1: card when you have like that sad face when you look at it your opponent doesn't necessarily know you're screwed (laughs) When you look at it again after you've forgotten but they But my brow use.
0: furrows, exactly. I'm like, uh
1: uh-huh. mm-hmm. The other way is like sometimes you have resources that instead of being for your own use, let's say you could possibly trade them in between players during the game. Okay. So it becomes more like more like a playing card game almost. Not uh-huh. like magic, but like where you actually trade resources like that settlers are. Settlers of
0: Catan.
1: Yes. So you're there like you I'm
0: using my sheep, and mm-hmm. I'll trade you for some wood powers. I got it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I only have a few games in mind for that, but we'll get to that later. Sure.
0: And
1: I don't know. Do you? I think I covered all the.
0: The I think ones you I covered the main ones. Uh, the, the other on things head. that I've listed here are kind of variations on those, so mm-hmm. we can we can talk about them. Or a uh, yeah, as a subset. But yeah, uh, yeah let's let's start from Do you want the top, I guess.
1: Stack cards is almost like the most obvious, isn't it? Or is the dice the most obvious?
0: Well, the first one you mentioned was the dice. So let's do it from the dice.
1: That's the pretty most basic way. So I mostly think of that from... Malafox? Malafox, yes. Because we've played that and it straight up uses like regular playing cards. so Mm -hmm. It's just basically a dice outcome. And the one thing that it sort of does differently than dice is that once you start using up the cards, now the randomness starts going away. So maybe you get some high high rolls or high outcomes sometimes, and then later you get lower outcomes. And then also just like sometimes you have dice that have symbols on them and that. Uh If they have suits on them, you don't necessarily – they can produce different secondary outcomes, too. i trying to think of other games that have weirder stat cards, because you could put way more info. If you had your own custom deck for your game, you could yeah. have way more. You could have, like, eight different suits in the yeah. hand if you wanted to. Or you could not go sequentially, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, up to, like, a regular D6. You could make it in different increments. You could have some have, occur at higher frequencies. Like,
0: That's true. You could, you could make part of the game mm-hmm. based on, what, bad Based on your army building, you could have more cards or something like that. Like, mm-hmm. oh, if I take this one unit, I get a, a second king or something like that.
1: yeah, i'm thinking I'm thinking board games do this all the time where they For have sure. resources on your cards. Metro games, like we've also seen Frostgrave or more specifically Rangers of Shadow Deep, where like to have outcomes happen is more of a narrative thing mm-hmm. that you want like one thing of the narrative to happen, and then you don't want it to happen again need something to happen differently, having cards means you're using up the random outcomes so that like you don't have yes. the same thing happen over and over again, rather than just telling the player, oh, you rolled that? Just re-roll. Oh, you rolled another outcome you already rolled? Re-roll again. It just it yeah. throws re-rolls. I find often throw you out of the game. So cards yeah. for, like, recur- for non-recurring outcomes can be a really good thing to use.
0: Yeah, so for in Rangers of Shadow Deep, basically uh, sometimes uh, well, there's an event at every – every at the end of every turn, there's an event. And sometimes the events are very important. Like, oh, you're hunting, a I don't know, a wolf, and the wolf is only going to to be revealed when you flip up a five, right? Yep. But then once the wolf is revealed, you don't – like, if it was a dice, it's like, whatever, roll a six. Mm-hmm. But then if it's a dice, if you roll if, – if you keep on rolling sixes – you know after your your wolf has showed up it's a little bit weird right and you have to keep track of it too it's, it's yeah. a
1: nuisance to have to write it all down as opposed to so the it's cards nice just to have those
0: different things yeah and then down. with malafoe they kind of fold that into the way that the game plays mm-hmm. because you know there's you know higher cards are better and you're also looking for certain suits to trigger abilities like you were saying right yep. because each suit when you when you try to flip a card up you need to beat your opponent but you also need to have a certain suit to get like an extra effect if you win. So mm-hmm. you're basically looking for both of those things to happen. And it creates a very interesting kind of tension, especially when you start counting the cards and you're like, well, I've seen all of my high. So if you look at your opponent, right? And they lo- they, they're they looking for a, a spade, but you yeah. know they've already used their queen, king, and, and ace. Mm-hmm. Now you know a little bit about what they're going to play and the odds of their success. And you can plan your reactions accordingly because you know that they're not gonna necessarily gonna get a high high uh, hit while also get getting that uh, suit right so that kind of thing can can really make make things interesting
1: yeah it kind of introduces a level of skill like counting cards and poker or whatever
0: yeah <laughs> Where, okay, now you've got your do you want the, that though right because sometimes yeah. if you have too much prediction like what are you actually modeling right like often one of the fun things about miniature gaming is that you model the chaos in a battlefield but when you start running out of cards and you start knowing what the outcomes are going to be it feels very much more contrived and less about modeling the world and more about just playing a game right it could be very fun in a Mm gamey kind of way but it's not necessarily it might lose some of that aspect of real life yeah, you're
1: right. It just feel like it, the game becomes gamified, and in that yeah. you want like I want a simulation. I don't want like gamification. If I love gamification. I guess I'd just be a board gamer.
0: So it's true. Yeah, there's definitely one uh, a heavy uh, importance in that. And so for those two things, I feel like when you're using a card, there's there's two things you can do to mitigate that. Right. The thing in Malifaux, part of what they do is mm-hmm. is story wise, they solve the issue with a story like like putting in story beats to yeah. explain it away because basically in Malifaux they're all trying to collect these uh, soul stones and soul stones allow the, the bearers of the soul stones to control fate right change uh-huh. reality and so there's some sort of already kind of controlling and and you know playing with fate in these uh-huh. stories, so it kind of helps helps the atmosphere of the game when you can also you know play with those kind of things see fate happening and also important part of the game is that you can cheat dice right and of course you can do cheating dice if you roll dice if you pre-roll dice and swap them in but with Malifaux that's part of the thing right cheating fate playing fate and so the prediction thing is less egregious in Malifaux than it would be if you're playing let's say a World War II game right yeah where like, how are you knowing what's going to happen? That's like totally anath- anathema to like a historical kind of play.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, that's an interesting way of thinking when you can use that rule, not use the rule or use and that the mechanism. O-
0: yeah, and the other thing I want to mention is um, re roll not re rolling, uh, reshuffling. So mm-hmm. in Malifaux, right, every single turn you end up reshuffling the deck to reset the odds you could say right in the counting uh and that can be finding the balance of reshuffling uh and and not when you want to to maintain this kind of randomness and unpredictability is i think a very important part of these kind of type of games right Mm -hmm. like with malifaux because they have that kind of atmosphere they want you to go through enough of your deck before you shuffle that you start being able to predict what's gonna happen, right? Yeah. But they don't want it to be so much that you know exactly, cause it is still a miniatures game, right? And they like that kind of thing. So just that kind of balance is an important thing. But if there's too much reshuffling, right? If you have to shuffle after every single drawn card to keep it like fully random, like a dice, like a dice it can often be too much shuffling. Then you're spending like half your game just shuffling. So it is an interesting kind of dynamic of when to do it. Yeah.
1: All right, yeah, I think, not too many games I can think of use like the cards as a resource in miniatures,
0: but. like as a like in Malifaux, like when you have cards and you can flip them out and cheat them.
1: Yeah, as like
0: like randomly kind of. Yeah, thing. as a randomizer, yeah. As a randomizer that is also a resource. Yeah, I, I think Malifaux is relatively unique in that way. There's a couple that do um, the th- the other things we mentioned. Like use cards in a as a resource, but not in a randomized way, but in a mm-hmm. kind of more of a strategic kind of way, right? Mm-hmm. I think actually the game that you know we're working on, Blood of Stars, right? We do actually have some sort of randomness, but it's a little bit more like the other ones that we talk. We're going to talk about so. Still yeah. using randomness, but but uh, not quite in the totally kind of random manipulating randomness that cards can do. That that mm-hmm. th- at least as heavily as Malifaux. Yeah.
1: All right. So do we want to move on to the next big way cards get used in miniature games?
0: Sure, let's do it.
1: All right, stat cards. I know I like stat cards. Uh, I don't I don't play that many games I with love stat, cards, stat but I like, cards, I like I
0: like I like the stat cards honestly. You know what I like about stat cards? Mm-hmm. They're almost like collectibles. Like, okay, yeah. so when I was young, <laughs> let's go back to our youth because, like, all games go back to my youth. I must be like trying to relive, relive that. That's why I love these kind of games. But like mm-hmm. when I was young, I loved collecting cards. Not okay. baseball and hockey cards because I thought those were boring, but I still collected them a little bit. But Marvel cards. Do you remember these things? They're like art cards, basically. I thought there was a game behind them, wasn't there? There was no game. Oh. There was no game. This was pre. It started off pre Magic the Gathering. Yeah. So I started like '89 or something like that. I think Magic came out in '91, '92 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so when I was like six or seven, right? You know, we would go go to the store, maybe pick up some baseball or hockey cards. And then when they had the Marvel cards, which had like Marvel characters on them. That was it, man. I didn't care about the baseball and hockey. Like, I wanted my real heroes, like Spider-Man and the Hulk, mm-hmm. not Wayne Gretzky. Who cares about that guy?
1: I feel like, I feel like you're going to collect them all pretty quickly in the old Marvel days.
0: Remember, I was six or seven. I didn't have enough money to – Yeah, you
1: could, you could get three all. packs in your
0: – you got three packs ever, exactly. Yeah, exactly, but it was so fun to be able to look at them and see that art and, and like – envision it right and when you pick up that card the visual Mm -hmm. thing and oftentimes when they have the art that's that to me is one of the selling things that really helped me feel like i don't know like you're collecting something it's fun you're right that that part of the cards is actually i wasn't even thinking
1: that before that the cards can give you like they can give you art they can give you fluff Mm -hmm. on the thing as opposed to like having to read the book it's right there in front of you i mean Usually they don't take up too much space with that, but at least it can give you some sort of feel of what the character is. Yeah, I forget yep. I'm just and, thinking and, if you don't think mechanically, like. Mm-hmm.
0: And I gotta say, like, not like I wanted to just make this this uh, podcast all about how lovely Malifaux is and how great it is, but the Malifaux art cards, the Malafo cards are yep. really good looking relative like when you think about war machine cards and maybe I'll, i should have pulled these up i'll go get mm-hmm. them in a second but the war machine ones are so ugly there's like a tiny picture this big
1: and the uh, rest of the little, cards
0: is just stats
1: there's a little right? tiny circle with the guy yeah
0: and then the there was recently released like giant cards this big for warhammer 10th edition like index they're, they're, cards? they're bigger than tarot cards yeah they're index cards Yep. and those are also not pretty which is huh. stupid because i think they're, they're huge like they should be space, Marine, space marines warhammer 40 art is so good imagine if the back of those cards was just a giant spread of beautiful art of that character mm. Mm. that would be nice technically i haven't bought them so maybe those exist and i will say if, if they do have that i will probably go out and buy some more cards
1: hmm yeah I can't i've never seen people turn them over when they play at the store yeah. so i
0: would never know yeah, no. but yeah card, maybe they yeah. do have that that'd be amazing yeah, you think you have right. heard of that, but anyway... You've got to talk about stat cards. I'm going to go fetch oh, they're actual- some. What? I'm going to go fetch my Malifaux cards while you talk about more about stat cards.
1: Oh, okay, sure. So, I don't know, I'll go for the pros of the stat card first. It means that like you don't have to flip through the book in the middle of the game, which is a huge plus, because you may end up having like a dozen, maybe more than a dozen units available in your army, And just going through, and especially when you're learning the game, having to flip to them all. Or if you just have a game where the dudes have tons of stats. Because we play Infinity, and the guys have tons of stats that are different by, like, little minute amounts. And often you've got equipment, too. So just having all that info right in front of you without having to flip through a book and slow the pace of your game
0: down is amazing. Yep. So so this is kind of cool. So this is a Battletech card. Hmm? It's mostly stats, but it does have the art little piece of art here and it is the full mech which is nice Mm -hmm. so this this one is like they instead though of the back instead of putting a giant picture yep they just have another another card so they're doubling up so Mm. then they have two different like variants basically of the same Mm -hmm. guy and that allows you to and -hmm. it makes it very easy to build armies right like so you just look at them you kind of flip them over just find out which ones then you lay them all out exactly what you're saying
1: yeah, the one downside I find about the stat cards is often they put the point values on them. And then mm-hmm. if they have to make modifications to the game, they're usually screwed and they're really reluctant to change those things. So the pro- downside I see with stat cards mm-hmm. is that often they become outdated and there's no the company's reluctant to put out FAQs because now they've ruined your cards. But I think a lot of the companies that have done that have now moved to just being like, yeah, we'll include the card, but also we'll put the free version online. So that in case we ever change or have to correct things, that you can at least like keep the game up to date. So I think a lot of Malfo you can download now too, can't you?
0: Yep. Yeah. So so the issue is that the cards are beautiful and, con- I don't know, I guess contrary to some people's belief, cards are kind of expensive to print right especially when you're talking about miniature games where you often have a lot of different types of cards so you don't get as much bulk orders it just is expensive to print new cards and and when you want to make it cheap you have to print them in bulk Mm -hmm. but are people going to buy like a bulk version of cards when you know the way that miniatures are is that they are very modular in terms of their collections right yeah so that means that you're not going to want to buy like the cards for an entire faction when you're what you actually have is three of one guy instead of having like one of every single guy in the faction you have three Mm -hmm. of one guy two of another seven of another guy right yeah and so it's very hard to collect the right right numbers
1: yeah so you know what game this makes me think of x-wing oh How, how they could do it wrong it's like, oh well, now you can buy this thing to upgrade your, well, to modernize your army to the new rules. It's like, um, but I was playing this SKU army and now I have to buy two of these packs. Like they're not, they're not letting you do what you want to do. And if they screwed mm-hmm. up those cards with point values or had to update them now, what are they supposed to do?
0: So and it just the sticker shock was crazy because yeah. people thought they were paying all that money for each each uh, vehicle, right? Each each model for the specific model.
1: When, they when bought probably it, the first like
0: yeah. half the cost of every single model was all of the paper in that thing. Probably more than half the cost actually is plastic. Well, they were a little bit more expensive because they're pre-painted mm-hmm. than let's say other ones because it's not just injected, right? And yeah. pre-painted and assembled. So, but at the same time, there was a lot of cardboard and paper in it. Oh, you're talking about the starter set. I'm talking about one that moved from first to yeah. Oh, each each box. Uh huh each box is expensive. So what I'm saying is when they bought the when they moved from first edition to second edition, they had the upgrade kits you're talking about, right? Yeah. But people had sticker shock cuz they were so expensive. But they yeah. were so expensive because it had a lot of cardboard in it.
1: There was a lot of cards in yeah, there's a lot of material a lot in there. Of cards oh, cuz it was beyond it. yeah, cuz it was beyond just the cards. Yep. They had things that go the base covers with more stats Miles. on them. Yeah, yeah the I dials and covers. covers
0: there's a lot of, of mm-hmm. stuff like there's a so so it's so it was a lot a sticker shop because people thought they were buying miniatures when half of what they were buying was the card stock yeah hmm. and you're kind of throwing halfway the that away which means you have to pay for half of the cardstock. they probably didn't even make money on those that card stuff
1: no i'm I'm trying to because... Like X-wing having the cards is great for building your armies because the armies aren't that big. Like the other thing about yeah. the stat cards is, I think if you have a really big army where things repeat a lot of times, mm-hmm. or like you can change unit sizes, stat cards are probably not the way to go on a game like that. But when you've got individual, like the small number of a bunch of individuals, not units, mm-hmm. then I, I feel like the stat cards work better because like at a certain number of units, unique cards, units, yeah, unique yep. units, they become a nuisance. But once you get bigger, for some reason, I feel like it stops working.
0: Like in right, a Warhammer
1: so size game, I don't think it works anymore.
0: So I actually looking at these Malifaux cards. There's actually mm-hmm. a lot of text. So this is a Malifaux card. First of all, it's this. It's like a tarot card size, so mm-hmm. it's really big. But
1: otherwise, because, that be readable.
0: look how much text is on it. This mm-hmm. this is, this is a, a, a master, though, so it makes more sense. But, like, but there is still a giant piece of art on the top, right? Like half of one side is just a piece of art, right? This is a master. It's a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. This is just a vehicle. Not a vehicle, just a unit. Yep.
1: So right? do they make the and art exactly bigger or smaller based on how many rules there are? Yes. Yes, they do. That's kind of neat. Yep. Oh, yeah, well, I forgot. I so forgot no, some people are just
0: listening. So, yes, yes, they Yeah, do. So,
1: there's no white space. Interesting. They just increased the art size to cut the white space around yeah. text. Interesting.
0: So, these are really pretty, though, right? They have, like, Malifaux has some great art, mm-hmm. right? Although, <laughs> more art is more better. I would probably buy Malifaux just, like, pure art cards. If they had, like, a, what do you call it? Just, like, a, an art trading card set. I told you, right? Mm-hmm. I love. I I, I went to this. I went to this phase. It lasted basically three weeks. Where I was like, I want old art cards. I realized that what I really wanted, like I was getting into, I think Magic: The Gathering, uh, and I realized what I really wanted to was collect cool art, hmm. and I didn't actually care about the, the game.
1: I could could ask more questions about whether you just collect miniatures not for the purpose of the game, but that'd be way off topic.
0: Yeah, you know the answer already, anyways. Yeah, I do. (laughs) All right. So,
1: so on the note, why do we think that the X-wing stat cards is it didn't work so well? Is it because they just bundled them with a whole bunch of other stuff that made them super expensive? Is that what we think the the point of failure was?
0: What? It's the upgrade cards. There's too many upgrades.
1: Mm.
0: If, there, if, if the cards were seen, yeah. were only for the units and maybe just the pilots, that would be enough mix and match. Okay. There's way too many upgrade cards and mm. it made things unsustainable. Mm. And like you said, they started trying to sell you cards instead of ships and, and play ability, right? Whereas the upgrade cards were... Were variants to make you enjoy and like make the game feel longer lasting, and the idea of charging for that and making you buy a dial and a ship that you wouldn't use was terrible idea. But it, it worked for a while. They like sold like crazy, right? Yeah. X Wing became, I think it it became the second game for a while, based off of people collecting those cards. Mm-hmm. But not during second edition. No, it was, yeah. that was during okay. first edition. Yeah.
1: Yeah, just and by I think just the by mission is people.
0: doing okay now. It's kind of recovered and and been more stable. Mm-hmm. But I it, I don't think it's gotten it's it's kind of recovered to a point that is below like it's not one of the I don't think it's one of the top 3 anymore. Yeah, so just talking about like the upgrade cards. Like you can have your stat cards
1: and I guess like a second subset of the stat cards is your upgrade cards. If you've got games like war machine, like I think even in Song of Ice and Fire your attachments. Or just they have their own separate cards that get added on. So That's it's right. kind of like the stack cards, if it's based around points, usually just let you build your whole... Well, you want to build your whole army based on the cards. Mm-hmm. So if there's such yep. thing as upgrades, those are basically cards too. So your yeah, whole army builds... Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. the upgrades are somewhat fine as long as they're limit, there's a limited number. Like how yeah. many cards, for when you're using them as like army cards, how many cards for your army is too much right because that's basically yeah. the thing right at some point there's too many cards right like well it takes you a long time to get, get them sorted out like it would have been be easier it's, to write an army list at some point exactly yeah and collate them it's like mm-hmm. obviously 60 cards or even 40 cards is too many right like when you create a magic the gathering deck list huh? that's too many cards to for it to be. Out. Yeah, to sort out and make it easy to look at at one time and figure out what's in your army. But something mm-hmm. like under 10 cards or even 10 cards is probably fine. Even a little bit over 10 cards might be okay. Yeah, because like, as long as some units. Just think of
1: magic. Like a Part of the game is the pregame building your deck, whereas with miniatures, you're not... Yeah. List building is a thing, but having to just spend hours collect, mm-hmm. putting together the deck in the right way to show up to play a game yeah that's not that's not what a miniature game is about that's magic at that point
0: so so how many cards do you think is good 12 or 12, yeah. 15? 12, 15 12 15 is probably maximum 12 is ideal
1: 15 you're like yeah if sometimes you're playing a, a swarm army you're like yeah okay i need 15. that's uh-huh. it's okay you you chose this to, to go the swarm route so
0: sure fair enough makes sense all right what was the next way that we mentioned
1: Oh, I guess going for
0: hidden objectives basically. Sure. All right. So hidden objectives or hidden cards and the the basic difference, oftentimes mm-hmm. you might that there might be ways that they combine that with the first one where you might get a set of you might not be able to choose all of the objectives. You might get three secret ones yep. and you have to choose the the one that you like the most. And then the hidden part is that the ideal part of the hidden thing is you know, you can retain that. Look at it every once in a while as a reminder,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and you can, or and yeah, that's basically, that's basically the benefit of it. And also, just like the second one, you can put a lot of the objective or the information about the thing you chose on mm-hmm. the card. So, so instead of just having it be like one, two, or three, it can actually say, you know, like. Uh, I don't know what is it what's it called like experimental drug or or assassination to kill the assassination right exactly right and it can list all of those things making it really easy for you to reference and remember those kind of things right a lot of this is to just reduce the cognitive load of these kind of uh actions that we do in games
1: mm-hmm. yeah i'm thinking work i wish i've played Warcry, but you've played Warcry. a lot of that is just built Not that
0: on much. it's been a no? while
1: Okay, but a lot of that is, like, the whole setup of the mission and your objectives and your deployment yep. are all, like, created out of drawing cards. So yep, I guess, as you true. said, like, the re- the objectives don't necessarily have to be hidden. They could be, like, even your deployment It's just, like, a another... That's more of a randomizing function, though, but at least it lets you keep yep. track of it. Like, it's a nice yep. way of just... You draw a random outcome, it keeps track of it yep. for you, and it explains it all in one.
0: Yeah, I guess we could have talked about that with a malifold randomization. But yes, Mm -hmm. definitely setup cards is an interesting uh, way to quickly get up to speed of like randomizing from a few kind of objectives together to make uh, an interesting scenario, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of, I think a couple of our our friends really like in Legion, uh, the secret, uh, well, the setup cards, because they take it one step further over uh, Warcry. So you do have, like, I think three different things, right? Three different uh, settings. Like, it's, like, battlefield, length of time. Anyways, oh, a bunch of objectives and stuff like that. And your opponent, I think, you guys, you both get to... So there's three that's laid out, and each of you, the, the players, they, like, um, they ban one of the, the objectives.
1: Mm-hmm
0: from each thing to get the final objective so you draw three each player bans one so you kind of get the one at the very end that people like are are the the least hating (laughs) that makes sense right and people like that because you get to like modify it and it feels a little bit more strategic and you can also create armies that don't have to play to every single kind of objective right and then you're only playing them against other armies that can kind of play against it. You're not, you're, you're hopefully not getting an a, uh, an army that is, you know, just unable to play the objective that you end up playing.
1: Mm-hmm. So I think the new new 40k
0: also went for like hidden objectives as well. Uh yeah, there's a hidden objective is qu- quite popular. thing to do. <laughs> um, I think it's like a maelstrom, maelstrom, I, I, or whatever. Honestly, I haven't followed this last edition of 40k that much. I almost bought the rulebook, mm-hmm. but I but I only wanted to buy the rulebook if it was going to be a pretty coffee table book, so I didn't end up buying it. Oh well, you can't have every. But edition. I do believe there's yeah I do believe there's cards that they're trying to force you to buy for whatever reason. I don't know if it's the actual missions or not, or if this is just a a, a sales tactic to get people to buy more more cardboard.
1: Yeah, I want to go... Cause I ended up buying the Kill Team deck so we could play Kill Team. I don't even remember what was on those cards. I think did, did, How many times did we play that game? One more time? I thought we played it twice. <laughs> it was for educational purposes, you know. Is Kill sure. Team any good? And apparently yeah. it's forgettable, but I knew the cards were pretty necessary to play the game. Mm. If the headphone cord was yeah. like two feet longer, I could probably grab them, but you know... Are you myself. sure you didn't
0: leave them with me?
1: I left half because there was a there were
0: duplicates,
1: so uh, one is good for two players.
0: So you do? Okay. I did leave some with you. All right, I I don't know where I put them. I do have a kill team box, so maybe it's there. But or maybe the kill team box is filled with other stuff. I don't know. I thought, I
1: thought you had a whole bunch of kill team boxes full of like.
0: I do. I don't like any of the kill team. I actually preferred the original kill team. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but the boxes. The boxes are primo. Those are nice boxes. Yeah, they look good um, on my shelf.
1: Honestly, kill a game like Kill Team doesn't really need stat cards, Look, it could have stack cards because mm-hmm. the armies are like basically pre-built for the most part, mm-hmm. or you have so few choices. I don't think that that game even would benefit much from it. Cause there's not that much flipping around between books to do.
0: Oh, oh but what? you could have really beautiful art cards. You could because there's the they're not that complicated. The Kill Team. Uh, yeah characters you could have a beautiful art card on one side mm-hmm. and then you just have the stats on the other i would love that but i wouldn't buy it because it's kill team
1: yeah i don't i don't think they do that because they did the kill team like the introduction the board game version and i think their cards were still really basic they had like a triangle like a little tiny triangle with the guys in it kind yeah. of like the war machine having a little circle with the guy in it it's like eh, okay modern
0: you... uh, 40k like giant Cards, yeah, it's a giant cards. card. There's
1: not even very much info on it. They could have made it much prettier, but
0: alas. It costs money, though, to to put all that effort in to make it look good, right? Like, just the, mm-hmm. the graphic design to make those cards look good is a lot of effort. And if that's not your main way of selling, like, yeah. I know that's what I said I wanted, mm-hmm. but that is an entirely, like, that, that's a, a tangential thing, and they're never going to do it. It's going to cost too much money. Yeah. We didn't even mention though one of the card one of the things that we play every week that uses these objective cards.
1: Yes, yeah, it's, it's in it's Infinity. Like there's some missions that are entirely based around the cards and there's others mm-hmm. where it can be like one to three of the cards for just extra points. Just kind yep. of like it's it's usually for less killing based stuff. You're like okay, you're doing a mission that's based around killing or controlling like the circle. Okay, you keep track of that normally. But if you want more complicated objectives, then often just having them drawn like randomly off a deck works really well.
0: And the infinity cards are actually good looking. There's a lot of art on those cards. Mhm. And yep. so they're they're quite they're quite nice. If only if only you didn't keep them face down all game cuz I don't even
1: know what's on them. <laughs> they, they stay face down yes. cuz they're hidden cards. So maybe if you, you don't you're know predator I only throw it on the table once I do it. And I don't look at it because I have to go back to killing people.
0: See, I must have seen it a lot because people do that to me a lot. Mm. So they throw it on the table and I get scarred when they're like, ah, they did the subjective. And they do it like
1: right away. So it just sits in front of you for yeah. the whole
0: game. Yeah, I love it. I, to me, the fact that there's a giant piece of art there is is great. It makes me like the cards more. And it makes me want looking forward to when mm. they replace the old deck, buying yeah. that new deck.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm perfectly okay with buying a new deck. For some reason, I'd be kind of peeved off at buying like X Wing cards. Mm-hmm. But for buying infinity cards, I'm like, yep, sure, take my money, whatever. There,
0: well, there's a lot there are a lot less cards, right? It's like a Yeah, it's not it's a, just 50, a plain card deck like, size. Yeah, yeah it's, it's like, a fifty two like, card deck or something uh-huh. like that. And it's for every single army, even if you play different factions. Uh-huh. And then on top of that, they're a lot prettier, like we said, right? so they're cheaper prettier nicer than the X-Wing cards which were not that oh actually the X-Wing cards did have some sort of art on them yeah the fine. X-Wing cards were fine they are were... yeah. yeah you're right actually why did I not like them as much maybe I don't like vehicles as much as people duking it out mm, it could be it's
1: all a bunch of grey ships it's like a, you played <clears throat>
0: yeah.
1: you played the Imperials so they're all just like grey another grey ship yeah. it's like ooh wow
0: Five different types of X, of TIE fighter. Mm-hmm. Just different pictures of TIE fighters flying around. Yeah. Maybe that's actually it. Maybe I would have really loved it if it was uh, Stormtroopers or something. But
1: mm-hmm. then it would just
0: be five different pictures of the same Stormtrooper running around with slightly different numbers on his shoulder. Or yeah. on their shoulder.
1: There's the other good thing about the cards. is like I don't like carrying around books for games. So if I can carry around like the deck of cards with the army on it, yeah. I'm so much happier with that. Like...
0: I want. Yeah, deck of cards wiki.
1: Hmm. All in your phone or on the cards. Like anything that size to carry around in addition to your army. Because, well, I guess if you go all out and you're playing Warhammer 40k and you're going to bring, like, a roll on suitcase as if you're traveling overseas for, like, several weeks, not just to a convention. Mm -hmm. Okay, sure. Have all the resources you want. But once you're playing Skirmish, like, don't give me books.
0: I like the books, but I want them just to be pretty art books mm-hmm. that I can put on my table about yeah. the fluff. like I, I do like the changeover of the Infinity books, where it's just fluff now, basically, and art, and profile, and, and text, and stuff like that. I'll probably be buying, or I will at this point, because this will be uh, showed after Gen Con, I will have bought the Gen Con book. Okay, I put in a
1: pre-order through our store, even though I could get it sooner from sending Well, I'll somebody. buy it.
0: Yeah, I'll buy it, and uh, Mm -hmm. we can take a look, and then you can wait for your pre-order, yeah.
1: Yeah. Look, I was going to do anything with it anyways for months. It's fine.
0: Yeah, it should be fine. Like, I'm literally probably just going to put it on my coffee table and read, like, the first 10 pages, and that's (laughs) it. Because, like, I'm brain broken, and all I do is, I don't know, watch YouTube videos.
1: If if they just put out a YouTube video, would you pay for all the content in the book if someone
0: just sat there and read it to you? (laughs) No, YouTube has broken me, so I don't value YouTube even Mm. though I spend all my time on it.
1: So you value the book you don't read. That's fine. But a YouTube video you would actually watch for the same price with the same content in the book. Somehow you're like, no way, man. No.
0: Nostalgia, I told you, it's nostalgia is a hell of a drug. I'm willing to buy the book because I get the nostalgia of when I used to read books, Mm -hmm. even though I don't read books anymore. Honestly, I'm trying to unbreak my brain and start reading again, but I just read like internet articles and stuff like that, it's terrible. Or like terrible uh, clickbait uh, Facebook posts or something where Facebook is trying to send me rage bait to be angry and half type a response and then realize why am I posting Angry responses bot, on Facebook. To a bunch of bots. Uh-huh. To a bunch of bots, exactly. And then I cancel it out. But then Facebook already knows that I'm actually really engaged by this mm-hmm. angry rage bait, so they keep on sending to me and break my brain more.
1: Mm-hmm. They just show me pictures of lousy construction, and I find them hilarious. <laughs> I'm okay that's, with that.
0: Uh, yeah, actually, if it was more about work, at least that's that's somewhat use, useful, I guess. But whatever. Mm-hmm. Alright, so stat cards. Oh, sorry, yep. that was setup cards, right? For hidden cards. Did we mm-hmm. mention... Um, yeah, I guess objectives. Did we mention tactic cards?
1: Oh, so like abilities you pull off. Yes. Mm-hmm. So that, so, that yep. is, I believe, what Kill Team did, isn't it? I believe that's... I believe there were tactics.
0: Were they tactics and killed him? I can't even remember, honestly. No, I thought I they bought, were. Jackets. I bought them, like I don't, don't know what they did. <laughs> so long. It's been yep. up for apparently a long enough top period of time I don't remember. I do remember Necromunda. The new yep. Necromunda that is the worst game that I've played in ten years. Had tactics cards.
1: It did. Yeah, I'm trying to delete yep. most of that. But yes, it had tactics cards. It also brings us to something else, which we could get back to, but yeah, yeah, we'll stay on the tactics cards.
0: So although Necromunda, the new version, Mm -hmm. I did mention it was the worst experience I've had, Uh, the tactic cards, although I don't think they were implemented very well in that game, like everything was not implemented well, the idea Mm -hmm. of tactic cards I love. And there's a lot of other games that have them that are that I think are good, even if some of them that are from GW didn't implement them well. Like Warhammer mm-hmm. Apocalypse, yeah. uh, Warhammer 40k Apocalypse, the version of the game that is that is like has its own rules mm-hmm. uh, also use tactics cards and they're critical to the way the game plays, right? A lot of the uh, things that you can do that might be in an army book or, or uh, come from your tactics cards instead and I thought they, they were really good way to reduce the complexity and have like cool special effects, mm-hmm. special abilities um, that, that affect things, right? But in a way that is interspersed in your game and doesn't have to be ever-present, right? You can kind of just reveal a tactic card of, of your 10. I think you have a deck of 20, right? And so you're mm-hmm. going through them and, and getting them, right? And so it, it helps give some flavor and feel and actually have impactful things without having it happen every single turn or having some sort of resource. Mm-hmm. And so I really like that, except that they were implemented badly. Basically, like a lot of things in GW, they were not play tested at all. Yeah. So they were unbalanced, right? Same thing with the Necromunda stuff.
1: So it's basically like a form of in-game resource then, isn't it?
0: Yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. So oh, I, I mm-hmm. and often like shuffled and hidden, it doesn't even necessarily have to be shuffled, right? If you mm-hmm. just choose a certain number and yep. then are able to use that, that can be a, uh, very interesting thing that helps portray your army's, you know, tactics, right. Mm-hmm. That, that, they kind of make them special. Um, what games that I thought they implemented them well. Like I don't want to just say, oh, this is a good idea that no one implemented them well. Uh, Legion implemented them. Yep. Uh, so Legion has it. It's it's each card that you play is both a tactic card. You play it one, once per turn, and it's both your tactic card and your initiative card. So it's hmm. like how you're going to, so that so that the cost of the tactic is also based on your initiative and how many units you can activate out of order kind of thing Mm -hmm. so that's a cool way that they implemented it it was pretty good not like much more balanced than the 40k stuff uh and then another one that a lot of people really like is uh song of ice and fire tactic cards are integral to that game as well
1: oh you have to send other guys to go try and acquire more of them
0: uh I think, I think so. You can acquire more of them. I know mean, you still get some, but you can acquire more, like I believe, using the side table, right? Yep. But they're very integral on actually the tactics of the game and be, being able to spring things on people and the way that your army is interesting, right? And plays mm-hmm. differently. It's so when you play interesting tactics that your faction only your faction has.
1: Yeah, I keep saying that Song of Ice and Fire feels to me like really close to being a board game. Just because of how many like board game elements it has going on, like resource cards yes. are super board gamey. The side board is super board gamey. The
0: range of archers is super board gamey.
1: Yeah, it's, it's like it, you fire two spaces basically. It's like yeah, okay. Yeah. It's
0: basically
1: fire ah, two Actually, that's it's not,
0: true. It's not even yeah. like a yeah. It's
1: base. It, it could have a grid honestly in that game, and it'd be the same thing.
0: might be almost. better. It might, yeah, it might be
1: better. In terms be like, of hey,
0: gameplay, it might be better. Yeah.
1: Mhm. Just go. Just embrace the board game. That's what they should have done. I might have been more okay with it that
0: way. But oh, maybe. And then you have smaller plates.
1: Yeah, because I hated how the things uh. like gamified locked together in the weird plate-like thing. If they're just like, no, it's a simulation. All the shot distances being weird, all these locking together things being weird. It's like, no, it's a simulation. There's a grid. Don't. Model the board if you oh, man, I want more. <laughs> Don't boards, even model though. the board, it's just a, can't it's go like a, literally
0: far. a cardboard board. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. It's like a board game. Yep, it's a board game. Yeah, I might, I would, hmm. I might enjoy that more, honestly.
1: Yeah, I might be more okay with that. Just <laughs>
0: Yeah, they just bait and yeah. switch you. You know, it's a good board game, I guess. A lot of people seem to really like it. So.
1: Yeah, I think that's might be why I didn't like it. It's like, oh, I'm really what I'm really doing here is managing these cards, managing these like mm-hmm. sideboard things.
0: Yeah. So I guess you yeah. have too many. To cards. be fair, they implemented it well, though. Uh, yeah. Our game, we have uh, tactic cards now to keep it, you know, based on our the things that we didn't like about the other ones. We only have two cards, right? Oh, three cards, sorry. You have one that you get to choose basically for a cost, mm-hmm. and then two that are random, right? And then, and it's only out of six cards, so or six possible tactics. So you yep. do have some hidden information, right? But you also have uh, and you also have some sort of randomness. Your opponent doesn't know quite what you have, and you're not gonna just always take the thing that's ideal for you. And you only have those mm-hmm. three tactics for the entire game, right? Yep. But it doesn't so that also though means that it doesn't they're effective and they're important but they don't swing the entire game based on just the cards right? you don't win or lose just on those tactic cards because there's only three right? so if you think
1: if you go the extent of song of ice and fire where you're trying to constantly bring in cards and mm -hmm. bring in cards then that breaks the feel of being a miniature game where you're
0: no I don't think so I don't think it necessarily does I think it really depends on the other things and it also depends on what the cards do yeah right like if the cards feel like like the, if they have conditions so that they actually do feel like tactics right it's a lot better but if there's something like i don't know reduce a random i don't know just choose a a unit anywhere on the board and then they get negatives or something like that that feels very gamey Right, because mm-hmm. you're like, how are you actually targeting the guy in the very, very back corner just as easily as the guy right in front of you? Right? Yeah. What is actually happening here? Right? The, so if you can make the cards and the events like have some sort of keep the verisimilitude in mind, I think it can work pretty well to have them even if you're even if the game is. Uh, you know, hinging on those a lot, right? It's almost combining objectives and events at the same time. It's like you have your objective on the card, you know, you want to, let's say, pincher a guy, and then Mm -hmm. the card, though, is the thing that helps make it extra powerful. It also has the payoff, right? And so it's kind of a tactic, but also has some sort of refined objectives to make sure that it feels more real. I think it can be really fun and good. I don't know how many games do that. I'm sure there are games that do that. This is a very, very common uh, thing and it's getting more common i i think because it's a very fun interesting way and very a, a, an understandable way right to put in extra tactics like compare tactic cards and let's say song of ice and fire mm-hmm. or or even warhammer apocalypse to the number of uh what do you call them stratagems in warhammer 40k 10th 9th 8th 9th 10th right you had like thirty stratagems. You basically had a deck of stratagems that you yeah. could pull off, right? But you yeah. could pull them all off at any time.
1: It was basically just another form of a book. Like you might as well just have a booklet at that point. By how they were being played,
0: yeah. like it didn't. But if you use cards and randomness, mm-hmm. right, you could limit. You could yes. still have the thirty stratagems, mm-hmm. but you could limit the n- amount of uh, that are happening at one time, right? Because you could say you only ever had a six,
1: right? And you're cutting analysis paralysis that way, you're not. Yeah. And you're cutting people being able to, like, comboify if the game's not supposed to just be about comboing, where you mm-hmm. can't just pull the perfect sequence of tactics and then do yep. the same thing over and over. It keeps the game varying, too, if you can give people, like, random tactics rather than just their, the perfect, obvious, like, combo of them. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah and thing, then you can have it so that when you use your tactic that's super powerful it's gone right because you've used that card so maybe Mm -hmm. you won't use the rest of the game that it has the same kind of benefits that we've been talking about all the way through right and so i do think that kind of thing can be very helpful you can also even do the army building at the beginning or the card deck building right Mm -hmm. where you can say oh you only can take 10 cards right for the game right that way you won't you know Your opponent, if they look at your 10 cards, they don't have to look at all 30 cards and know what all of them do, right? Yeah. They'll just see 10, and they're like, okay, these ones can possibly end up coming out during the game.
1: Yeah, that actually brings me back to something we didn't talk about in the stat card part. Mm -hmm. Because when you've got a codex, or just an army book with all your dudes Uh in it, and your opponent wants to, like, oh, can I know what this unit does? And you don't want to, like, give them a whole lecture on it. You're like okay, here's my giant book, that's not a great way to tell anybody something. If you just have... If they want to know something about that one unit, you can just hand them the one card, and they can get mm-hmm. a glimp They can like figure it out just by glimpsing at it as opposed to having to flip through books in the middle of your game. So that's just true. sharing info that way about your units is so good.
0: Yeah. It's just easier to... to when they ask about one mm-hmm. unit, to just pass them over one card. That's yeah, true. exactly.
1: So that's part didn't think before on the note of using like resource things resource cards in a poor way Mm -hmm. necromunda is excellent doing things poorly (laughs) they had like your your different territories as Mm -hmm. cards so i mean if only one person had the whole deck it'd be okay but in reality you drew them up randomly like you ran you rolled dice to get your territories so it wasn't based on the deck so you couldn't even like share the cards around, but somehow you were supposed to like lose the resource, which is a card, to the other player if they beat you too badly. So it's oh just like, God. what were you supposed to even do with these cards? Like, you're not going to give your card to your opponent during a multi-game campaign and like take apart
0: Maybe your deck. You're supposed to. But the other thing is they're random. You roll, you roll on a table, so you can technically have a bunch of the same all, thing. Six yeah. settlements. Yeah. Did they even have six of every card? No. No, it was, why were those cards,
1: exactly? Like they could have made just it cardboard,
0: fit, man. It's just yeah, cardboard they you could throw in
1: there. Yeah, they didn't fit the mechanic to like what cards do, or they didn't. Yeah, they didn't yeah. fit the game mechanic to cards. They could have made it card based, like we said. You draw, you randomly mm-hmm. get your locations,
0: and, in theory and that should, somewhat makes sense because they're actual locations. So the reason why you can't have six settlements is because there's not actually six settlements. Right in the area you're fighting. over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't oh, know what well. you do
1: then when you take your opponents, and your opponent has to like give away the card from their deck, and you keep tracking, keeping track of it. Yeah, you've got to give it to them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now their deck just changes. You're like, yeah, you have a new deck for your next game, <laughs> the next campaign if you lose it. <sighs> There's so many
0: things that didn't work with Necromunda.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So yeah. Also, there was like a bajillion cards and you got to choose them.
1: Oh, the tactics cards, yeah, yeah, you chose yep. your tactics, you just chose you them. You
0: chose them, so everyone, like, unless you are trying to be fun, you just mm-hmm. always choose the best tactic cards. Yeah. So, oh. like, basically all of the things we thought were good, like, ways to implement it, besides the basic idea, which they did, all of the tweaks that you need to make it actually work, Necromunda did the opposite.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you could have had cards for your units, too. Like, instead, there was just army sheet. No, no, you did. Uh, not there, there
0: are cards that you could print out. Yeah, yeah, but that is right, third that party. Cards. That was third party. Oh, no, no. Mm-hmm. they no, no, I bought true. them. I bought yeah. them. Yeah, you could fill them out. You could fill there, out your there own are, cards. There are, there, are, there are cards. There were mm-hmm. cards you could fill out. Yeah. No, and there were also... Actually, the base game was actually mm-hmm. supposed to, just supposed to be cards, right? Yep. Like, the original release that made sense mm-hmm. was a two-player box game... And you just played with those cards filled out, basically. Mm -hmm. So you had the two factions. And it's just supposed to be a box game where these two factions fight it out. And you're playing, like, notable characters in the Necromunda universe. And so the game, my guess, is probably a lot more balanced if you play it that way.
1: Mm -hmm. It sounds like a good game, but...
0: Yeah. (laughs) Good box game. Nice models.
1: Yeah, what do you think of filling out cards? Because I know in Drop, like, Necromunda had that drop fleet which anyone is watching and I'm wearing you would fill out your like your army list was actually on cards and it was sort of an activation sequence thing which is kind of interesting I haven't seen that I haven't seen that too many times yeah filling out cards is yeah
0: there's there's so many issues with filling out cards so I don't Mm -hmm. mind printing cards but filling out cards there's like like I talked about before cards are nice they feel good you don't want to mark up the card You're feeling like you're damaging it. Yeah, because you are, because you run out of them and then you can't keep playing. Exactly, so why would Mm -hmm. you write on the actual card? It feels terrible. And you write with dry erase, how is that gonna work when you're shuffling them, right? It'll rub off the dry erase, right? So it's fine in War Machine Mm. where it's just stat cards. Yes. You could put the dry erase, you put it in a sleeve, and then you put the dry erase on the sleeve, right? That mm-hmm. works. But when you have things where you're going to be shuffling them, like in Drop Fleet, you're supposed to actually write on the card, because if you dry erase, it's just going to get rubbed out when you mm-hmm. put the deck. So there's so many things. Even if you don't, even if you're not shuffling them up, it just feels bad to wreck your mint card. Yeah, it does. And... and I'd be more okay with it when you have like printout card size things and you're supposed mm-hmm. to put them on into a thing because then you're the idea is you're constantly printing it out. It's a lot cheaper to print a card out than like buy a new set of thick cardboard, right? Mm-hmm. So that part I'm okay with when they they allow you to print out cards, but the actual uh, I, I don't know. Maybe that's just the collector in me, but the idea of wrecking the cards I don't mm-hmm. like it's
1: kind of a neat idea like it's a randomization thing but mm-hmm. like if you think of bolt action like okay you randomly go back and forth the bolt action uh-huh. mechanic of like who activates you pull the, the token out of the bag and it's who's uh-huh. activating but it's kind of neat that if like you could have your guys activate and you're not actually choosing it which kind of cuts down the analysis paralysis in another way it's like mm-hmm. well i'm not choosing who's activating you draw the card of who they are off like yeah. a pile it could even be your stat cards and then they activate. I'm sure some game must have done. the new run.
0: Shatterpoint. Mm.
1: So, because
0: they have stat cards and then you kind of mm-hmm. put those in. Um, yep. But you, you, each player has their own deck, right? And you alternate oh, drawing course. your deck, right? Mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. do that. So yeah, that is kind of neat. Um, and then, but I don't know, writing on them,
1: mm-hmm. terrible. Terrible idea.
0: Also cards are not that big and shuffleable cards especially cannot be that big because if you have a tarot card then sure but it's harder to shuffle. But when you're talking about normal size cards, how much can you write on that thing? Not that much.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like at that point you just maybe want to have an army list that's separate and then you just have sequential numbers for which group or which unit number activates.
0: Just put a piece of paper, put it in a sleeve and put a piece of paper on, on the other side and then write on the piece of paper. That that works fine, honestly.
1: Even like if you have big games like that, they can have cardboard assets with just like this little circle, it's a picture of the thing that's activating, and you reach in, you pull it out, kinda like the bolt action way, except it's got a picture on it. Kind of like a like a bag full of pogs if we're going right back well, to well, the Well you 90s. can
0: do the if you're doing bag full of pogs, you can just have nice cards and you force them to buy a card or have a card when they mm-hmm. buy the unit. Yep. And then that goes into your deck, right? You can still do that, right? It becomes more of what we were talking about before, though, right? But you're not gonna draw on them. Ugh.
1: No, no, I don't like filling out cards. There's something I'm okay with writing on army list, but filling out a card. I don't know.
0: Well, because an army list is printed off. It's cheap. It's disposable. It's it's, it's quick, right? You if your army computer. list is in the back of your rule book, are you gonna write in it?
1: Yeah, you're going to circle the guys? Like, no, you're not going to start circling guys.
0: You know, oftentimes they would have the sheets that you're supposed to photocopy. But, like, in the back of the book, would you mm-hmm. write your army list in that book? No. No. Oh. don't want to wreck the mid thing. You'd rather wreck the, the book by just using it all the time and having the spine fall out than actually write in the book.
1: Mm-hmm. Or even cutting templates out of the back of the book. Like, here's your templates. Yeah. So you're like, no, I'm not cutting these out.
0: No, you're supposed to photocopy them for sure. Mm -hmm. I wrote my initials on my Frostgrave books because we have a whole bunch of people who brought them Mm -hmm. and even that I felt bad on doing I wrote it in Mm -hmm. pencil and I was like what am I doing? I defaced it but I Mm -hmm. did it anyways Just put a cool bookmark in it Yeah, Yeah, now Les has my book with my initials (laughs) in it (laughs) It's cool, it's signed by you Yeah, Yeah, exactly
1: (laughs) Keep signing all the books now everyone's Frostgrave book is signed if they steal yours Yeah, it's
0: just all mine, yeah (laughs) uh all right i guess what was the last one or is that all of them
1: oh there was resources and yeah just using those resources using them to generate like objectives either randomly not randomly just keeping track of them the stat cards and then just like randomizing outcomes that kind of like it draws the outcomes down Mhm.
0: all right are there all right so then we we went through all the basics, or at least a whole bunch of different ways that they're generally used. Let's get down to Brass Tacks. Do you like cards in your games?
1: Yeah, yeah I actually do. Even though we play Infinity oh, Frostgrave and there's not. no cards, I still I still like them. Like, to be fair, in Frostgrave, they have the Ulterior Motives deck, and oh, when we're not nice. playing with multiple people that slows the game down, because when you, yeah. you, you have four people playing on the same board, it just slows it down. But if you're not... The alternative, like having those cards, is really cool. Yeah,
0: yeah, having that that special. There's like 50 unique missions or something like that, or maybe 40 unique missions, mm-hmm. and each person chooses one. Like we have, we haven't even. Well, generally we play uh, with multiple people, so we yep. we aren't using it that much. But that's all. Those are a lot of different kind of missions to play out. They're very different. They're very unique and flavorful. Like with everything in Prospect, right? Joe McCullough campaign design is great, right? And those cards definitely keep things interesting. And and even if you just had the main rulebook and those cards, you could have a lot of game and a lot of different missions happening because of that.
1: Yeah, I think it's the best way to play for Oscar one on one. Like mm-hmm. the cards make it the best way. I don't I don't normally like playing for Oscar one on one, but if when I do play for Oscar one on one, cards is the way to go.
0: Yeah, for sure. I really like them. Uh, yeah, best. I think they're the 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 first supplement you want to get if you're playing one on one. Yeah. Um, I agree. I really like them. I like them in a limited capacity though. Like, if for randomization, I'm vastly prefer dice because of the physicalness of of rolling dice. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people like cards because depending on how you use them like all the way different ways we talked about there's a lot of um what do you call it input randomness so it's the kind of thing it's like you get the random random uh pieces and then you learn how to deal with them but Mm -hmm. the output randomness is really really uh, interesting and, and fun when you can modify the output randomness right so you, when you're you're trying to modify things so you so that the dice rolls are in your favor right mm-hmm. So that kind of, of way is to me like my favorite part and the most about modeling kind of actual real life right and war, wartime battles or all that kind of stuff and the why I prefer dice over like the cards you don't have to shuffle right to get those that, that full randomness. And it's just it's just fun, the physical weight of a dice, right? When you're rolling it, it just mm-hmm. feels good. The action of rolling it, as opposed to drawing a card, there's just more fun in rolling the dice than uh, drawing a card. Yeah. Yeah, for stat cards, I think I'm on the fence,
1: 50/50, whether I like them or not, because they also um, make a yeah, big yeah. waffle all the time. Yeah, they they make the big mess all over the board. Like I said, the advantage before you can show your opponent what the yeah. things do which I guess makes sense in more complicated games. Uh-huh. But like assembling them all and just putting them all over the board, mm-hmm. um, 50-50 about whether that's actually like yeah, a does, good thing to does do. Does your
0: board have the space for the cards is the issue, mm-hmm. right? When you play a board game, they always put into like the game space that you're playing on, the idea that you're gonna be laying your cards down, right? Yeah. But in, in war games, oftentimes they're like, yeah, build your army with your cards, but then their they're table sizes, cause they're so big, don't factor into account the fact that you need like, you know, you're playing a four by four game, but you need a like- Another you foot know, to the side. Three inch, no, a three inch by <laughs> four, just to lay out all your cards on the side, right? You need your dice so, tray too.
1: You need your, you know.
0: Yes, exactly, exactly. So if you if you have games that that factor in the space you need, I think it can be fine, right? In mm-hmm. some ways, it can be very, very helpful just to lay out all your units so that you can see all of them yep. at one time, like all the stats, and it just helps you play, especially at the beginning, help you play faster, right? Being mm-hmm. able to see them all laid out there. That's especially something that I, you know, for our game. Uh, the idea of doing it... Like, it's a skirmish game, so so generally it's under, what, 12 units, right? But the idea of being able to to keep... that see all of those different stats at the same time and, mm-hmm. and what they do is very helpful in playing the game. Yeah, I just think I like the army... I think I like the army sheet version better, but... Mm-hmm. That's true. But you got to put your sheet somewhere.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, when we have army sheets in Infinity, when we play it, right, at the store... You know, we'll talk about it, and and those boards are four by six at the store, so it's it's not not as bad. You have there is some room to put them on the side, but oftentimes during the game, it's just kind of the sheets just get thrown to the side, right? And you almost just talk out what the, what the game is. Mm-hmm. So there, there's some sort of complexity level where it makes sense and not, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I, and, and for my, my army list, I just use my phone, because, you know, it's small, you can put it in your pocket when you're not using it, you, you take it out and look at it. I don't know. There, there's probably some ideal size for whether cards are good or not.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it has to do with games, it has to do with number of miniature size, and probably the board size, too, like you mentioned. Yeah. If there's going to be space on your table to put those things. Yep. Hmm. Yeah, okay. War
0: Machine was terrible for that. Especially since ever- you had to write markers on it.
1: Yeah, but you would never go into the back end of your deployment zone. You always just, like, smashed into the middle. So the back of the board wasn't even used That's for anything. so whatever. You could
0: say the reason why it was a 4x4 four four was just so you could lay all your cards down at the back of the board.
1: Yeah, like, X-Wing, you would drive to the edge of the board sometimes, and That's your true. cards were in the way, but...
0: That's true. Yeah, so overall, I guess, I do like the the intervention of cards or the the additional growth of cards into miniature games and i'm looking forward to that happening in a cleaner way but i am somewhat worried that we might get an overabundance of cards
1: Mm -hmm. uh
0: in certain ways and in certain games like i don't want to play magic right if i wanted to play magic i'd play magic so as long as the emphasis is on the boards and the table and the verisimilitude of having an actual somewhat, like, realistic simulation of a battle going on, I'm okay with cards adding a little bit of spice.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, know, what I almost want to see is, like, a game where you go, like, and you're grabbing, like, different objectives from around the board. Like, clues I and stuff like that. I thought you were like going to say,
0: where you're going and putting the cards down and then grabbing them, like, speed, and that's part of the miniature game. Mm.
1: And dro- dropping them from the sky, and they cause, like, <laughs> they land on something, they, the, they cause hit damage. Hit the, hit the yeah. unit,
0: then you pick up the, the model and throw them off the board. Mm-hmm. That was a rule in some edition of some game. <laughs> anyway. But yeah, I think it would be cool if, like,
1: in the middle of the game, you were grabbing stuff and then drawing the cards from what you're finding on the board. It mm. also feels very board game
0: Relic Blade does that? Cool. I think Relic Blade does that. So, yeah. So I oh. think there's, like, treasures and stuff like that, and you can grab special weapons and stuff off the board, which is kind of cool. Kind of like panoplies and stuff.
1: Yeah. it's just another oh, way of That would be drawing. cool. But, but the thing, like, in Infinity has the panoplies, and you roll, uh-huh. and it's just always annoying to keep track of the thing. I know some people have, like, printed out, made tokens for every single outcome, so they can, like, yeah, I have the thing in my hand. Because yeah. when you get something from the board, you want, like... Kind of want to be physical rather than having like right down in the middle of your miniature game yeah. what the thing is. Actually, so.
0: that would be really cool and fun. I don't. I I know Relic Blade does something with 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 that, but mm-hmm. we should probably play it actually, and maybe that's the kind of thing I, I'm talking about right now. But like. The idea of like exactly what you're saying like just just a panoply game right it, and it's probably one you want it to be fantasy or something like that yeah a like treasure, the treasure chest opening and, game pirates whatever mm-hmm. and then each of you put in your like cards
1: mm-hmm.
0: so that like into the, into the possible treasure pool and you have base treasures and mm-hmm. you're going over and trying to pick them up. And if you pick up, you know, you might pick up the opponent's treasure and then they're gonna try and like hit you over the head and take oh, it, well, cause, but cause then it they're not as good army, at yeah. using it. Yeah, exactly. Cool. So it doesn't work with them, but sometimes maybe it will if you're running the same things, so that would be fun. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we gotta try Relic Blade and seeing see if that uh, that fits in there. Are you are you just like I'm giving now yourself, talking up Relic Blade? Are you I'm just like, giving I'm, yourself? I don't know the rules of Relic Blade, but I'm like I'm talking up the game. I'm like I'm sure that's what the game is. We should definitely play that. I'm sure that's actually what happens in the game. You're just trying it's to get
1: justific- awesome. just trying to get justification to buy stuff at Gen Con. This is what's happening, isn't it? I bought
0: Relic Blade.
1: <laughs> how, do, how do I not? Know? I haven't
0: bought the rules. The rules weren't there. Oh. I was them. So and yeah, just- maybe I'll come I'll come back with some Relic Blade or. I guess this is in the future. So I have come back with Relic Blade, and we will be playing Relic Blade, <laughs> and we will have a review of Relic Blade sometime in the future. But you have not opened
1: the box to know how the rules work. Yes. yes of course.
0: That's it. That's exactly it. Yeah. I don't know if Relic Blade is even going to be there, but I'll, I'll, I'll somehow bring Relic Blade home. Oh yeah, that's right. It's
1: Gen Con uh, not so it's yeah. a combination of board games and miniature right. games, which yeah, it might fits be too expensive
0: for certain. Mm-hmm like, groups, right? You have to have a certain yeah. amount of money because it's so popular now. Like, I, I heard the the prices can get kind of crazy. Yeah. All right. Well, that is our breakdown of cards in games. So if you think we messed up or you you, you have a game that you want to mention, like, we, we intentionally didn't mention some games that have some pretty car- awesome card mechanics so that you guys can tell us about them. Uh, so why don't you go and tell us what card game what games with cards that we didn't mention that are so- that are really awesome. You can email us them at contact at diceovereverything.com. Yeah, or let us know on Facebook we Dice Over Everything. <coughs> this bean Allen.
1: Yes I'm Brandon
0: Bye